North Pole Hotline, Mrs. Claus here. My holiday shopping list is so big, I can't wait for Black Friday. Get to Old Navy's biggest sale of the year starting tomorrow. Old Navy? Beat the crowds for 50% off your entire purchase. 50% off? Plus, this Friday only, Old Navy's famous cozy socks are just a buck in stores. Old Navy's giving $1 for every pair sold up to a million dollars to boys and girls clubs. So I can do good, look good, and get 50% off your entire purchase at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1121 to 1123. Exclusions apply. See store for details. Cozy socks valid 1123 in stores only. Limit 10. Love Talk Radio. Hello, all of you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Dr. Low Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Lauren Noel, naturopathic doctor. And, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm a broken record. I feel like the same, say the same thing in the morning, but, or say the same thing at the beginning of the show, um, but uh, hopefully it's not too much redundancy for you guys. Uh, I was listening to some of my previous shows from, uh, like, when I first started doing my podcast, and uh, it's kind of funny how over time my intro is sort of to kind of taken a life of its own, and it's like the same every week. So I'm going to change it up, and you guys are going to get some curveballs from me. And not, you're not going to know who's even doing the show anymore. <laughs> um, let's see. So tonight we have a show with uh, Sarah Ballantyne. We're doing autoimmune disease. She has a newly released book, The Paleo Approach. Oh, I'm out of breath. I've been running around the clinic all day. And uh, we're talking about how to heal autoimmunity using nutrition and using actually the paleo diet. So I'm excited to have this show tonight all about that. It's one of the most common things that I actually treat in my practice. So, um, and I use nutrition, you know, with every single patient, we talk about what are you eating? What are some of your food sensitivities? You know, what are things that agree with you, don't agree with you? How, how about your gut health? How is that? So, um, you know, it's very, very important to have the, the diet that really is going to help to, you know, uh, nurture your body and isn't going to be working against what your health goals are. So we're going to be talking about this tonight, using the power of nutrition and the paleo diet for autoimmune conditions. So that is tonight's show with, with uh, Sarah Ballantyne and, uh, Mark your calendars for next week's show. We're going to have um, Alex Jameson back on. She, she was actually supposed to be on the show a couple weeks ago, and, and it was actually a no-show because this is the cutest story. She fell asleep nursing her baby and then forgot to come on the air. So uh, we rescheduled her for next week. So I thought it was really sweet when she uh, you know, confessed to that as the reason why she missed the show. So really, really sweet and authentic of her to tell me that. Um, so that's next week. And if you guys remember Alex Jameson, she was actually on uh, Super Size Me. She was the girlfriend on that show. Um, and uh, if you remember, that was the one all about, uh, I think it was uh, uh, Spurlock, right? He was on the show, or he was uh, in that movie where he uh, ate um, McDonald's, basically breakfast, lunch, and dinner for an entire month. And his, his values, like his you know, cholesterol, his blood pressure, everything just like shot through the roof. Um, and, he, and she was actually his vegan girlfriend in the movie. And since then, she's actually no longer vegan. And that's what we're going to talk about next week is about how to trust your cravings and listening to your body and what your body actually needs. So um, that's next week's show, and we have some other really great ones in the, uh, the lineup for you as well. So tonight we have Sarah Ballantyne. She is uh, known from thepaleomom.com. She's a blogger on that website, and she is also the new uh, author of The Paleo Approach, Reversing Your Autoimmune Disease and Healing Your Body with Paleo Diet. So, And she's also the co-host of the syndicated top-rated The Paleo View, Paleo View Podcast, um, and we're excited to have her on the show tonight. So, Sarah, thank you so much for being on the show, and welcome to Dr. Low Radio. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's so good to have you. Sorry for the mishaps with Skype um, just a few minutes ago. I was like, oh, my gosh, are we going to make it on the air? No, but actually, I, <laughs> the, the first number I tried to call was apparently a wrong number. So, oh, I'm, okay. I'm good. I'm glad. I'm here. It's all, it's all good. My, it's all good. My breathing level is returning to normal. <laughs> 
Mine is as well. I kind of fumbled through that uh, intro a little bit, but we made it. So, <laughs> oh, Sarah, where do you live, by the way? I was I was wondering about that today. I'm in Atlanta. Oh, really? So, cool. uh, yeah, I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. So um, I'm actually Canadian. I grew up on the west coast of Canada. Um, and because uh, my husband and I, I, I was an academic, my husband still is an academic, and as academics, we follow the jobs. And so um, <laughs> I guess eight years ago, we moved to uh, Arizona, was our first stop in the States, and then five and a half years ago, we moved um, to Atlanta, and we seem to be setting some roots here. So um, that's, that's the whole story of how a girl from Victoria, B.C. ends up in Atlanta, Georgia. And I felt like I heard a little bit of a Canadian twang in your voice when I was listening to your show. It you did comes out Valentine's. from time to time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's pretty watered down now. Um, it it magnifies more, like if my mom or my mother-in-law come visit, uh-huh. <laughs> I have the Canadian <laughs> accent in the house, and then I start. And I don't. It's, it's funny because it's so unintentional. Like I can't put on a Canadian accent, but I and I can't take it off either. Like I don't even actually really hear the differences, except for now when I go home, I go, oh, that's what everyone was talking about. Yeah. <laughs> now you hear it a lot more. That's cool. Yeah, um, I do. I can I can hear it, but I still can't make myself do it. Right, right, right. It just it has to be a natural thing. It's like, don't, don't have you do it on command, right? <laughs> right. That's cool. So I, I love your book. It's, I mean, I know people have probably said on other podcasts, this really is not a book. It's a textbook. And, and I was just showing um, Dr. Larson, the other doctor in our practice, and we're looking at it like, this needs to be a textbook in different classes, you know, like a paleo class, like an autoimmune class. I mean, it's really impressive. I mean, my, my, my question when I saw this was, how the heck are your adrenal glands doing after writing this book? <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you. And uh, I will be actually spitting into a tube on Friday to check. <laughs> so, uh, um, so you know, maybe not so great. <laughs> but um, but it is sort of the classic, I think, first author experience to go into complete yeah. adrenal insufficiency after getting a book to uh, to the printer. Um, but uh, but you know, actually, I mean, I I feel really good. And, um, you know, I'm sleeping well, and um, my moods have been really good, and so I kind of feel like that's a pretty good sign that um, the wheels haven't completely fallen off the cart. Yeah, good. Uh, You're still holding it together. Well, thank you for taking any kind of sacrifice to your health for the betterment of our learning. We appreciate that. I'll I'll say thank you on the behalf of the whole community. It's all a learning experience for me, too. So whatever I learn about what not to do or what to do ends up, becoming something that I can then help other people understand. Absolutely. You know, I gave just a very, very mini, mini uh, bio about you in the introduction. So, you know, give our listeners just a little bit more of a background of, you know, why are you passionate about this topic? And, you know, more of, I know you've had a, a long list of conditions yourself that you've healed your body from. So just give us a little bit more of kind of that personal background of why you're so passionate about this. Um, okay, so I, I mean, really it boils down to I'm passionate about diet and lifestyle um, to heal the body from autoimmune disease because I have an autoimmune disease and I have used diet and lifestyle to heal myself from it. It's in complete remission now. And, um, and my science background is so intertwined with my health history. So I have a PhD in medical biophysics. Um, I 
became extremely ill um, about halfway through, which is roughly when most grad students want to quit. So that was how my body decided to express that feeling. And um, and I, you know, I had adult onset asthma. It was so severe that I was coughing up blood. Um, at the same time as I started having a bunch of different skin conditions. Um, at the time, I had already had a diagnosis of irritable bowel syndrome for several years, so there were definitely some um, other health issues that had um, had preceded this particular um, sort of immune and autoimmune flare. Um, but this was when I started getting um, lesions of my autoimmune diseases, lichen planus, which is an um, immune condition affecting the uh, mucosal layer of the skin. It's basically considered like a deep form of psoriasis. Mm-hmm. And the lesions sort of stereotypically appear on the wrists and ankles, of the, the form of lichen planus that I have, and that's what I had. Um, they're quite painful and quite ugly. And I just lived with it for years. And I lived with asthma and allergies and irritable bowel syndrome, and I was morbidly obese. Um, and I had I was diagnosed with early rheumatoid arthritis, and I had psoriasis, and I had eczema, and I had... Um, you know, just a really hard time losing weight, and I had low energy, and I had depression and anxiety, and then, of course, irritable bowel syndrome and all kinds of other digestive-related symptoms. And um, it was, I think, in large part because of my health that um, when I was in my second postdoctoral fellowship and my first daughter was born, I decided I was going to take time off. And um, and not just a maternity leave, but I was going to take years off and be home with my kids. And, you know, that decision was, you know, in part because my mom had been home with me and that was such an influential um, um, time for me. It was it was something that really, I think, shaped who I am. Um, mm-hmm. But also, you know, I really didn't feel like I could balance wanting to be a fantastic mom and also wanting to be you know, a really high-quality medical researcher. And so that gave me the space to start figuring out my own health. And that gave me also, I think, the motivation to figure out my own health because suddenly it wasn't just about, you know, wanting to lose weight, which I I did because I was very overweight at the time, but it became wanting to be healthy. And for me, up until that point in my life, being healthy had always just been about losing weight. And mm-hmm. food had always just been about, well, if I eat certain foods, I'll gain weight. If I eat different foods, I'll lose weight. And I came to weight loss from a low-carb diet um, was sort of the first thing that I found that, that worked. And so I, I wasn't fat-phobic, um, and I had a bit of understanding of how insulin regulation impacts weight. Um, but I had really struggled with sticking to it, um, and with the, the um, autoimmune and immune conditions that um, really cropped up in my mid-20s, I sort of lost the ability to do a lot of the things that I had been doing to maintain weight loss. I ended up, I lost a lot of weight in my early 20s. I got sick. I gained it all back and then some. And I was just stuck for years. And it wasn't until my daughter was one that I realized I was pre-diabetic and um, too embarrassed to tell my doctor. And the only reason why I knew was because I had had gestational diabetes during my pregnancy, so I still had my blood testing supplies. And I 
tested my blood um, one day when I was feeling really rotten after eating, albeit half a box of Oreo cookies. Um, but, you know, my blood sugar was 200, and I was really, really scared of what that meant. And I had done my PhD in a vascular surgery research laboratory where, you know, the, the you know, very large percentage of the patients that the vascular surgeons were seeing were diabetic. I mean, they were either diabetic smokers or both were pretty much the, the group of people that, that need a vascular surgeon at some point. And so that knowledge really scared me. Um, so I went on a low-carb diet and really succeeded this time to lose the weight. I had a much healthier second pregnancy. But what I didn't succeed at doing was getting healthy. And mm. this was something that really struck me when my youngest was about one and a half because I was really struggling with asthma and allergies and irritable bowel syndrome. And at that point, the, the light complaints had been fairly stable for, for a number of years, and it flared. And it, it flared when my youngest night weaned and she went from nursing you know, five or six times a day to just once a day, and it was a pretty dramatic hormone shift for me. And so I really needed a solution and at this point i had never i had seen six different doctors um over the eight years um that i'd had that diagnosis and not one of them had mentioned that this disease is an autoimmune disease i don't know how much that would have changed what i would have done back then Mm-hmm. But, you know, at this point, I still didn't know. I mean, and I, I really was, because I had patches of eczema as well, and I had heard that eczema was linked to food sensitivities, that started me on, you know, an Internet search to figure out if other skin conditions were related to food sensitivities, which is what brought me to the paleo diet. Mm-hmm. And that was just one of those life-changing moments for me. I, and I say moments, but I really mean three months because I researched everything I could about the paleo diet for about three months before I decided to try it. Um, <laughs> and then when I then when I tried it and I and I committed to it, I, I sort of jumped in with both feet after really pondering it for quite some time. I had such dramatic improvement in my health that I went off six prescription medications in two weeks. Wow! And so that was just amazing for me. I became this huge zealot. That's why I started a blog was to give myself an outlet (laughs) that was not my (laughs) husband and the hairdresser. Um, (laughs) And it started me on a different way of thinking because I, you know, I did research in um, inflammation and the innate immune system. I was actually doing mostly critical care medicine um, research. So I had a really good understanding of the mechanisms of inflammation and, you know, what what's happening in the body when you have inflammation and how that can damage tissues and how that could cause something that would manifest as a disease. But what I didn't understand was where diet and things like how much sleep you get or how well managed your stress is would impact that. And so that became my sort of nerdy, you know, interest in understanding how this is working. And it became a huge part about what I write about on the blog and it, it became so obvious to me that there was a complete void in the literature, literature, not just the paleo literature, but like alternative health, medical. I mean, just, there was so much information in um, scientific studies that I could access on PubMed, 
and there was just nothing pulling that together for the general public. So it became really obvious to me when I was given the opportunity to write a book that that's what my first book needed to be about. And it really ties in my own personal experience, my own not just my own personal experience in um, putting an autoimmune disease into remission using diet and lifestyle, but also my experience with following a restricted diet, with um, with implementing, with giving things up so that I could get more sleep, um, and just that practical implementation because it's challenging. And when you have an immune system that is so dysfunctional that it's attacking your own body, you really need to kind of get all of your ducks in a row and really you know, tackle it with, with everything you've got in order to get it to regulate. And so I really wrapped in all of my scientific knowledge and my detailed understanding of you know, why eating certain foods helps regulate the immune system and why avoiding other foods is also important. Um, and then all the lifestyle things like sleep and stress management and getting the right kinds of activity. I wrapped in all the scientific understanding, but also the practical, like how do you actually do this? And so that it just became really the book that I wish somebody had been able to hand me like 20 years ago when my health started really falling apart. Right. Oh, it's so similar. I wish that, you know, I, I, I try to be the doctor I had when I was so sick back in the day. And it sounds like you, you know, you wrote a book that you wish you had when you had just, you know, lichen planus and didn't even know it was an autoimmune disease. So you're really paying it forward and just helping other people not have to go through what you went through, right? That's that's the, the big hope. Like I really, um, I'm hoping to give knowledge to patients who are looking for a solution that is frankly, better than, I mean, the medications that are given for autoimmune disease yeah, generally come with such horrible side effects that you'd rather live with the disease. Right. Um, or they come with really, really long, you know, high long-term risks of things like cancer, I mean, depending on what medication you're on. And I think that it, you know, by the time you have a diagnosis, I mean, so many autoimmune disease patients are, um, they just go through the ringer just to get a diagnosis. Some, mm-hmm. some, you know, some people, it will take 10 years or 20 years, and they get told that they're hypochondriacs. Um, they get told that, you know, oh, well, you're just stressed, or you're just, you know, oh, well, you're just a high anxiety, you're a high emotion person, and you just get, get therapy. I mean, they get told the most ridiculous and, frankly, insulting things from medical professionals, in part because autoimmune disease, you know, there is no one test for autoimmune disease, and in the early phases of an autoimmune disease, it really does look very similar to somebody who's got a lot of stress and not getting enough sleep. Um, yeah. And so, and so when, by the time patients get that diagnosis and then they get just handed a steroid or they get handed, uh, you know, methotrexate, um, and, you know, it's just, it's so frustrating because those drugs don't really make you feel that much better. And they're not a cure. And so I think there's so much frustration in the autoimmune disease community out there. And there's so much information in the scientific literature that shows that, you know, you can make huge progress in managing your disease, not with those medications or maybe in conjunction with those medications, depending on how, you know, severe your health is when you're getting a diagnosis, by 
you know, changing the foods that you eat and getting more sleep and managing stress and getting more mild activity but avoiding really intense activity. And I think that information needs to be at the patient's fingertips and it also needs to be in the doctor's office. And so I wrote the book just as much for the patient as I did for the, for the healthcare providers. Yep, for sure. And I think you did a really good balance between, you know, medical ease and also, you know, just general population lingo. So it's really, it's brilliant. I, I think Thank you. That's a tough think, line to walk. It's very tough. <laughs> very, very tough. Yeah. I tried to do the same thing on the show. I want it to be easy for the average person to listen to, but then also, you know, enough real content for, um, for the medical professional. So, yeah, I totally get it. So, yeah, let's let's kind of take a step back and, and look at this from a sort of a more general framework. So in terms of just autoimmunity in general, you know, why are people getting this now? I mean, in 2014, why are people getting this now and not so much 20, 30 years ago? Is it that now we're over-diagnosing it or is it that this is a real legitimate, con, you know, set of conditions and that people are getting it more now? Like, why, you know? Well, there, there have actually been studies that have tried to evaluate whether or not it's an increase in prevalence, so more people are getting it, or if it's an increase in um, awareness and, and diagnostic procedures. And those mm-hmm. studies pretty conclusively show that the increase in our, our ability to diagnose autoimmune disease only accounts for a fraction of the increased rates that we're seeing. And so those studies really show that the prevalence is increasing dramatically. And it's increasing dramatically on the same time scale as obesity and type 2 diabetes and cardiovascular disease and um, even you know some types of cancer. And it's very likely because a lot of the things that are breaking down in somebody with cardiovascular disease or type 2 diabetes um, are the same things that are breaking down in autoimmune disease. And it's really reflective of how the human diet has changed, especially over the last 30 years. Um, The lack of good fats in our diet, the lack of fat-soluble vitamins in our diet, which are every single fat-soluble vitamin is essential for the immune system to work normally. Um, and how depleted our food has become. You know, as we move more and more to convenience foods um, and to you know pre-prepared foods, those foods have less and less nutritional value. And there's almost every single nutrient, a deficiency in that nutrient has been tied to at least one autoimmune disease. Um, and some nutrients, like the really you know key players in the immune system like vitamin A and vitamin D and zinc, you know, those deficiencies in those have been shown in you know, dozens of autoimmune diseases. And it's because they're so fundamental for the immune system to work. And I think the reason why we're seeing a, a rise in autoimmune disease is the same reason we're seeing a, a rise in you know, cardiovascular disease and type 2 diabetes. These are all diseases in which inflammation is part of the pathology. So you know, it, it makes sense that if inflammation is the thing that's happening and the thing that is, is starting you on the road to a chronic illness, it's just the details of the type of inflammation, whether or not it's targeted, where it is, um, how stimulated the immune system is, um, those are the details that would send you down the road of cardiovascular disease or down the road of an immune disease like asthma and allergies or down the road of an autoimmune disease. Um, what makes something an autoimmune disease is 
the fact that specific proteins in the human body are targeted. Um, and so that's different from something like cardiovascular disease, which is general inflammation. Um, I think mm-hmm. most people have a, a fairly good sense of what inflammation is because, you, you know, if you get a sliver and, you, and your skin gets all irritated around that, that sliver, that that's inflammation. You, you get it so red and it's pussy. Um, and having that inside your body is, is you know, a key um, part of the development of you know, basic all chronic illnesses. Um, what makes autoimmune disease, I think, a little bit different is that it's the other side of the immune system. It's the adaptive immune system. It's the part of the immune system that protects us against viruses, bacteria, um, parasites, any sort of foreign invaders. And that part of the immune system basically gets confused and it, it starts forgetting how to target microorganisms that might be um, invading our bodies and it starts to target specific proteins within the human body. And what differentiates one autoimmune disease from another is simply what protein is being targeted. And the, the rest of the um, development of autoimmune disease follows the same pathway. It's the same, um, the ability for the immune system to regulate breaks down, the ability for the immune system to deal with, you know, these, this sort of accident of targeting the own, your, your own body. And that's an accident that actually happens frequently in all people. And we normally can, our immune systems can detect it and stop it. So that system breaks down. And then you have this stimulation of the immune system where the immune system gets on this sort of runaway um, you know, attacking mode where it just can't shut itself down. When you have all of that happen, you're attacking tissues of your own body, and when enough damage to those tissues builds up, you get symptoms, and that's when you get a diagnosis. So I think that just like we're starting to understand the link between our, the changes in diet over the last 30, 30 and even 50 and even 100 years um, and and how that's linked to these other diseases which we really, you know, understand as a society are, you know, diseases of lifestyle and diseases of diet. You know, I think most people go, understand that type 2 diabetes is related to what they're eating. Um, I think mm-hmm. autoimmune diseases as well. And I think just like we're starting to really understand how important chronic stress is in the development of cardiovascular disease, um, and in fact that chronic stress may be even more important uh, contributor to the development of cardiovascular disease than anything in your diet. Um, I think we're starting to understand that in terms of autoimmune and immune diseases as well, just because um, of the importance of the stress hormone cortisol in regulating the immune system. And we're starting to understand, you know, other hormones and regulating the immune system like insulin. So if your blood sugars aren't well managed, your immune system is not well managed. And Mm -hmm. I think that it makes a lot of sense when you start to evaluate how these things impact the immune system. You can make really direct links to the things that have changed in um, the human condition generally over the last 30 years. And it's not just diet. It's it's sleep. On average, Americans choose to get an hour and a half to two hours less sleep a night than we did 50 years ago. Mm. Wow. And I've I've done the math because I'm like a math nerd, and that's an entire month of continuous sleep over a year. 
That's how much sleep. Yeah, exactly. That's how much sleep we've given up for late night television and social media and you know going out for beer after work or whatever it is that people do instead of going to bed. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in part that's because of the challenges of two income households and the fact yeah. that you want to spend that time with your kids and then after your kids go to bed then you have to do everything that you would normally have done some other time of the day. And it becomes a real challenge for us to prioritize sleep because of the way our society is structured now. But that is a huge contributor to probably all chronic illness is the fact Mm -hmm. that almost none of us are getting enough sleep. Yeah. Amen to that. So really like the, the typical American day, like in terms of our lifestyle, would set up a person down the line probably to get an autoimmune condition. I mean, the typical day, right? You, you wake up, you press the snooze button over and over, rush to work, you're at work all day, you're never seeing sun at all. You're probably just grabbing, you know, some sort of takeout or fast food or something, come home and you're, you know, exhausted and you're probably watching TV, sitting down, you're sedentary, you're not working out or anything, you know, and then stay up late and you go to bed and miss a lot of sleep and then wake up and do it all over again. Right. I mean, that's the kind of life you're going to be vitamin D deficient. You're going to be, you know, probably toxic. You're not you're not eating any like real clean foods. You're not getting any oxygen, you know, like fresh air. You're I mean, all it's just so much stress. I mean, that's like the typical milieu in a body that eventually over time would break down the body and, and increase risk of autoimmunity. Right. I mean, and adding in all these other things on top of it, environmental toxins and. I mean, that's like making it reality there for people listening. If this is something that's like kind of a typical day for you, it's going to increase risks of all different kinds of conditions. Well, and there's almost um, twice as many Americans suffering from an autoimmune disease as there are suffering from cardiovascular disease. Just mm-hmm. as a, you know, I think a lot of us go, oh, I need to work out more. You know, it's not, you know, my cholesterol's high, but it's not good for my heart. And you, you kind of, you kind of know that but you have double the risk of developing an autoimmune disease than you have of developing cardiovascular disease. Probably what, it's probably the same sort of diet and lifestyle factors that would set you up for one versus the other or potentially both. And it's probably your specific genetics that determine sort of which pathway your body takes as it responds to that particular hormone environment, that particular um, environment of nutritional deficiencies and you know, toxins and immune stimulators. And it's probably that sort of genetic lottery that sort of sets um, which, which path you go. And we know with autoimmune disease that there's a, a group of genes, and, and we probably only know a small handful of you know, what's probably hundreds or thousands of different genes where specific variants of the gene, so that's you know, the, the version of that gene that you inherit from your parent um, that's maybe a mutation that's not seen in the um, general population, or at least at the majority of the population, we know that um, there's quite a few genes that increase your risk of autoimmune disease. But there's not—it's not a genetic disease. It's not right. like if I have this gene mutation, I'm going to get this autoimmune disease. Sure. It just increases your risk, and it probably increases your risk because it impacts things like your detoxification pathways, um, the ability of your cells to recognize viruses. And there's a lot of genes that are, um, we know, increased risk of um, autoimmune disease that are specifically um, at that, that some of the proteins that are involved in the process of um, recognizing a, a foreign invader. And when that's not working properly, that's where accidents can happen. And so 
Um, and so, you know, genetics is definitely a factor, but it's sort of understood that genetics are about one-third of your risk for autoimmune disease. So the other two-thirds is, you know, things like what you're eating, what's in your environment, um, you know, what your hormones are like, and by that, you know, I mean, are you getting enough sleep and are you managing stress? I mean, those hormones. Um, are you getting activity because that helps manage stress? Um, and, you know, I think that, you know, it, it's easy when you when you have this understanding of something being genetic, it's really easy to give up and say, well, it's a genetic disease, what can I do? I've got these inherited genes. And it's really important to emphasize with autoimmune disease that that just increases your risk. What actually makes you have the disease is so much more complicated and so much more linked to you know, what you eat and how you live your life. And yeah. that means that you can change your risk. That means you can change it. Like, so that's great news because you can do something to you know, change all of those things and regulate your immune system and heal your body. And that's, that's really empowering. Mm, super empowering. I've said it's kind of like, you know, your genes load the gun, but your body or your lifestyle pulls the trigger. And you can go through your whole life with a loaded gun and never pull it, you know? You just kind of have that confidence. you got a loaded gun. That's but a really, great analogy. Choice, you know, it's your choice to pull the trigger. Or maybe your, what is it, your genes kind of, it's like the cards you're dealt, but your lifestyle is how you play your cards, you know? So it's up to you. That's if you another great that analogy. You. Thank you. You're on a roll. <laughs> I'll come up with another one by the end of the show. I'll try to. Um, okay. So I, <laughs> um, I know both of us are super geeked out when it comes to poop and gut health and all of that. So let's kind of talk about the, the connection with gut health and autoimmunity. So, you know, I've said to many patients that, like, the root cause of most autoimmune conditions is gut dysfunction. It's leaky gut. There's some sort of, you know, some sort of imbalance in the gut that you have to heal in order to really heal from this autoimmune condition. So, Talk to us a little bit about that and, and how you talked about that in your book. Well, um, the, the, the sort of the basic information that we know is that every autoimmune disease in which there's been a study to see if those patients have leaky guts has shown that they do. And every autoimmune disease where there's been a research study that has, shown, that has looked to see if they have gut dysbiosis, which means that you have either the wrong kinds or the wrong balance or the wrong numbers or the wrong location of microorganisms living in your gut. So, you know, we have roughly seven to eight times as many bacteria just in our digestive tracts as we have entire cells in the human body. And it's a very, very complex um, environment. It's, and it's, there's a lot of interplay between different types of organism um, but also different, you know, the, between the organisms and our own bodies. Um, and so every study that has looked to see if there's a link between something going wrong with our gut bacteria and autoimmune disease has shown that there is one. And, wow. so, um, and so that's, I mean, granted, that's still only, you know, really a, about a dozen studies, and there's more research needed, but it's a pretty big eye-opener when it comes to understanding the immune system. Now, about 80% of our immune system is in our guts. It's our first line of defense between the inside of our body and the outside world because what's 
what's in your digestive tract is actually outside the body, which is kind of a strange thing for people to think of. But if you think of like a continuous tube from where food goes in to where it comes out, that, that what's in that tube is not actually in your body. Right. And so, um, and so 80% of our immune system is in the tissues around the gut. And it's there because that is the majority of the source of infection. That's where we get exposed to allergens. Um, and that's where we need our immune system. That's where our immune system is basically standing guard. And so if there's something wrong with either the bacteria or the uh, strength of that barrier that's supposed to keep the bad things out, take the nutrients in. We want to get those nutrients in. We want to keep everything else out. And when there's something wrong with that process and when things that we want to keep out are getting in, the immune system can be so easily stimulated. And this actually might be a key um, component, not just to autoimmune diseases, but all chronic disease, and in part because it's so tied to diet and lifestyle. And this might be one of the main reasons of how diet and lifestyle actually you know, cause inflammation and cause immune dysfunction and immune stimulation. So in terms of leaky gut, there's quite a few different ways that a gut can become leaky. They basically fall under two categories. One is damage, just damage to the cells that line the gut. If you damage those cells, there's a hole. And that's a pretty easy visual for people. The other way, though, is the way that the cells connect to each other. So you think of these, these cells as, as forming a barrier. So they're all grouped together. They're all tight, tight, tight in amongst each other to form you know, a sheet. And that sheet has lots of wrinkles in it because we need that to you know, have high surface area in the gut so we can absorb all the nutrients from our food. But basically, these cells form a sheet, and they are connected to each other by these complex structures where the proteins from two cells that are that are side by side, will um, cross the membrane. So these proteins go from the inside of the cell across the cell membrane to the outside of the cell, and they tangle up with proteins from the opposite cells. You can think of like two balls of yarn that were thrown in a bag together and how that can become such a tangled mess that you can never separate them. It's kind of like that. And it holds the cells together, but it's also something that the cells can control. The cells can sort of open it up which it might want to do to let nutrients in, or it can close it up tight, which it might want to do when there's something it wants to keep in the gut, not anything it wants to bring in. And there's a variety of proteins um, and other compounds in our food, like alcohol, which is not a protein, it's an alcohol, um, that can signal to a cell that it should open up that bond with its, with its neighbor and there's certain ways, uh, certain proteins that can actually signal that opening so that it just stays open. So it's not like the big holes as if a cell, you know, a cell's been killed and it's not there anymore. These are smaller holes, but it's kind of like leaving the door open. And um, really big things can't cross that hole because it's a fairly small hole, but a lot of bad stuff still can. And then there's the immune system just on the other side of that barrier which, you know, sees these things and all it knows to do is, you know, get all excited and attack. Um, in terms of gut dysbiosis and the 
you know, bacteria and other microorganisms that live in our gut, you know, our understanding of that system is really, um, it's really limited at this point. We know that there's about 35,000 different microorganisms that can live in the human gut and that each one of us has something like 500 to 1,000 out of that 35,000. And it's possible that each person's sort of optimal balance of different types of organisms in our gut is as unique as our fingerprints. Um, we don't really know what's optimal, but we have some clues from studies of sort of different populations of, you know, we study healthy people, and we have a look and see what their um, gut microorganisms are. We study hunter-gatherers, and we study sort of other um, people who live in, in really remote areas um, who, you know, aren't challenged with things like antibiotics and see what their gut bacteria looks like, and we can get a bit of a picture from that. And then there's also a variety of studies mostly done in, um, in mice that can start to look at the roles of individual bacteria and things like the immune system. And so we actually know that the bacteria in our gut um, actually help control immune responses. So they, they actually act as, as a um, dampener. So they, they stop the immune system from getting really out of control. Um, we also know that there's lots of ways in which they can actually deal with things like pathogens by themselves that even our immune system doesn't even need to, to get riled up. So they have that benefit. They help us digest our food. They help us release, they help release um, vitamins and, and minerals from our food. They, um, they, when they metabolize fiber that we're eating, they produce um, these things called short-chain fatty acids, which are really, really tiny little fats that can be used as energy by our cells and have a variety of beneficial effects. Um, and they can also do things like produce neurotransmitters. Um, they can actually directly communicate with the brain. There's actually studies showing this now that um, depression is, and anxiety is completely linked to the type of bacteria that are living in your gut. And by changing the type of bacteria that are living in your gut, you can actually change your neurotransmitter production. Um, oh, and that's so amazing. More and more... Isn't it amazing? Oh, so cool. <laughs> There's just more and more ways that we're understanding how vital these bacteria are to our health. And, um, and so we know that they're especially important for the immune system because they have this really important regulatory role. Um, and that's one of the things that breaks down autoimmune disease is our ability to regulate our immune systems. Um, and, and there's all kinds of other ways that they, they feed into our health. And what's really exciting is that about 60% of the influence of what type of organisms are growing in your gut comes from diet. Hmm. So that means that, and you can actually change the organisms in, in your gut in about three days by changing your diet. It is that wow. fast. And that's so amazing. that's like, you know, and we, we still you know, there's a lot of, of um, room for more research. It's what I think is, is one of the most exciting new fields of research is, is sort of gut microbiome research. Um, but what we do know is that when you eat a lot of fruits and vegetables and a lot of long-chain omega-3s, so DHA and EPA from seafood, that that seems to promote sort of the optimal balance of and the right numbers 
of bacteria in your guts. Mm. Wow, that's that's so cool. And you know, this this show, like, we're really dedicated to you know answers using natural medicine, nutrition, and then really empowering listeners like what they can actually do. And so let's let's talk about what what to do about it. You know, we know that the gut is leaky at this point. We know that you know gut dysbiosis is a contributor. Leaky gut is a contributor. We know that there's you know reasons why those are the case. Let's say they really clean up their environment. They are you know working on getting their gut flora in check. They are um, you know addressing everything you you wrote in your book with diets. They're eating a really clean paleo diet. They're cutting out the grains. They're doing all you know. Uh, cutting out the dairy, everything like that. What are some other things? What's kind of your take on healing the gut once it's leaky? And, you know, how long realistically, in your view, does it take to actually do that? Um, So, you know, I think there's a couple of things that are incredibly important, sort of beyond um, cutting irritants out um, and beyond, you know, introducing new bacteria by eating fermented foods. Um, one of those is eating a really nutrient-dense diet. And I think you know, the paleo diet is a very nutrient-dense diet compared to the standard American diet. But it is not – the way most people implement it, there's still a lot of room for improvement in terms of nutrient density. So it's yeah. one of the reasons why I am such a strong advocate of seafood, organ meat, and like vegetables until you don't think you can – fit another bite into your body. Amen. Um, Love it. (laughs) And so that that really comes from, you know, providing your body with the nutrition to heal and providing the right food for your gut bacteria. And I think that, you know, we know that there's some really, really important nutrients when it comes to healing uh, um, epithelial barrier tissues, which is what your, your gut barrier is. We know that vitamin A, especially like animal vitamin A, retinoic acid, which you would get from organ meat and seafood, is really, really important. We know that vitamin D is really important, which you would get you know, also from sunlight, but you would get from seafood and any um, grass-fed or pasture-raised um, animals. And we know that glycine is, is a really important amino acid in um, repairing the gut, which you get from not muscle meat. You get, you know, you get from connective tissue. So you get from making bone broth or from, you know, you're getting, if you're eating meat off the bone, I mean, that's got some more glycine in it. Seafood is fairly high in glycine. Organ meat is fairly high in glycine. And, and so that's, you know, one of the reasons why I have such a strong nutrient density focus. Um, But it's, it's, you know, diet takes away the stimulus. It takes away the thing that, that, potentially, you know, causing cells to die or causing cells to, you know, open up their their junctions between each other and and leave them open and open those doors. Um, It's providing the resources that the body needs to heal. But there's another huge part of that, which is the, you know, providing the opportunity to heal. And we know from um, studies, like wound care studies, we know that there's a really, really, really big importance on sleep. That's why when you're sick, you feel tired. It's why when you have a major injury, you feel tired. Your body needs to sleep to heal. And the same as if you have a leaky gut. I mean, that's damage to your gut lining. You can think of it as, you know, a bunch of little puncture wounds that your body needs to heal. And um, there's certain parts of the immune system that really only work when we're sleeping. 
And there's other things. So we know, for example, that the hormone oxytocin promotes healing in in wound care studies. Um, And that's the love hormone. That's the hormone that you get when you're like hugging your child. Um, That's the hormone that you get with any kind of of connection with other people. And it's a really, really important um, hormone for stress management. Um, stress management is also really, really important for for wound healing. So, you know, it's it's you know, I I think diet is critical, but I don't think it's the only you know thing going on here. So I think that it's really, really important if you've got a leaky gut and if you're dealing with health issues surrounding that to be getting as much sleep as you can fit into your day, um, and to really, really work on stress management and. You know, it's, it's stress management. It's, also, it's stress reduction and stress management. So stress reduction means you say no when you can say no. You ask for help when you can ask for help. You make changes in your life to restructure your life so that there are less stressors. And then stress management is adding in the things that make you more resilient to stress. So it's adding in the things that help your body not respond to stress by shooting up cortisol. So that means things like not having a lot of coffee, um, going for a walk, doing meditation, you know, getting some exercise in, not sitting all day. Um, it also means things like getting enough sleep because that's really, really important for regulating your response to stress. Um, and all of those things have to work together to give the body a chance to heal. In terms of how long it takes, it's really individual. Mm-hmm. And it really depends on, especially in the context of autoimmune disease, it really depends on the other challenges that somebody has. Because if someone has an autoimmune disease that's actually attacking the tissues of their intestines, that's a whole extra barrier because it makes it harder to absorb the nutrients from food if you don't have an inta- intact gut barrier. So then it becomes harder to correct those nutrient deficiencies and give your body all of the resources it needs to regulate the immune system and heal. And so there's studies in celiac disease patients where they um, were following a, a, you know, a gluten-free diet and five years later, something like 35% of the patients you know, still had um, damaged gut linings. And uh, even though they were, you know, completely gluten-free. And that doesn't tell us what, you know, doing a super nutrient-dense paleo diet would actually do. But it does give us some indication that, you know, even when you remove the stimulus, it can still take a long time for the body to heal. And it's really hard for me to, to put a time frame on it to promise somebody this is how long it would take. If someone was perfectly healthy and had you know, all the nutrients their body needs and all their hormones are perfectly well-regulated, the turnover rate of the cells in the um, intestine is about three weeks. That means that every three weeks, if you're a perfectly healthy person, you have entirely new cells lining your gut. So that's sort of like the minimum is three weeks um, if you've got everything, everything figured out. Um, but, you know, from the medical literature, it lo- it can be a long road for people. And I know, you know, from... Um, people that I interact with, um, you know, it can be it can be frustrating, and and six months seems to be a pretty standard amount of time for a lot of people to start to see improvements, and that's a long time to commit to, um, you know, changing your diet and changing how you structure your life when it's a challenge to do those things. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Every three weeks, I don't know if I knew that. That's fascinating. 
Yeah, it, and actually, it's um, the the cells, the the um, sort of microscopic structure of the gut. It's organized into these little hills that are called villi, and then these little valleys that are called crypts. And the villi actually turn over much faster, and they're about a week. Mm. And then the crypts are a lot slower; they're the two to three weeks. Um, but uh, and so you can get sort of more surface healing even faster. So like people who um, you know, don't particularly have food sensitivities or don't particularly have um, any sort of health challenges. If they had something that was toxic and, and was, you know, killing those cells, they can, they'll, you know, like a food poisoning or something like that. Um, that's why you can recover in a, in a couple of days because the, the cell turnover of those sort of more surface cells is so much faster. That's amazing. So are you, um, are you a clinician, Sarah? Do you see clients or patients and do like labs and anything like that? Or are you a writer and blogger and all that? I do not. So I, I have a medical research background. I have a PhD mm-hmm. in medical biophysics, and I do not have a license that allows me to, to work with clients. Okay. Um, I do have is a training that allows me to read the medical research and understand yeah. it and geek out over it. Um, <laughs> But but actually launching this weekend, um, I'm actually launching a consulting company called the Paleo Mom Consulting, and wow, um, I have four um, licensed professionals who will be able to take on clients um, who are very very familiar with um, my research and um, sort of my understanding of the immune system, and they'll be able to actually help people individualize and implement and, um, you know, some people need someone to be accountable for and need somebody for that moral support, um, need somebody for those, like, you know, quick questions. And so I have, um, you know, three, I have three uh, nutrition consultants and and one functional medicine specialist who are going to be able to work with, with anybody who's you're putting so much information out there. You have to you have to give people. Okay, now now that you I empowered you with all this information, now what can you do about it? So it's it's great. It's very very smart to do that. That's it's awesome. And, I, and one of the things I wanted to mention in terms of um, leaky gut, and you know, I was asking if if you do testing for this reason because I um, I didn't know which which lab you had recommended. But for you listeners, we do you know leaky gut testing out of the clinic. We do autoimmune testing to see if you have antibodies to various tissues in your body. And it's, I think it's important to do some digging and, and see if this is something that's happening for you, even an early process of this happening in your body. And if you have a family history of autoimmune disease um, or if you're just having very nonspecific kind of vague symptoms that are happening, it's, it's just good to get a general baseline and see um, you know, if this is something that's happening for you. And, and we can prevent this. That's the beauty of these tests is you don't have to wait until you're debilitated and you can't get out of your bed before you can actually intervene and, and address some of these issues. So, um, and th- I do those through Cyrex Labs. I'm sure you've heard of those, Sarah, right? Yeah, I have. I would love yeah. to know, which, which is the test that you do for leaky gut? I do the, um, the Cyrex Array 2 for leaky gut, um, and then we do, you know, gluten testing, the Array 3. We do the cross-reactive foods for Array 4, and then the, the autoimmune panel is the Array 5. So we do a, a, that on a very, very regular basis just to kind of get that, you know, stand back and look at, like, the whole picture and see what is that that's contributing to that. And then I run stool tests on almost every patient, you know, just to see what's contributing. So I use biohealth and doctor's data um, pretty much every, almost every day. 
Um, and then I know Cyrex, they also have a leaky brain test, and they have, I mean, their, their whole panels are amazing. But it's been such a great tool. To yeah, they're really at the forefront. They really are. And you don't have that. That's the beauty of it. You can catch something, you know, 10 years before there's an actual diagnosis that, that is made. So it's, it's really about empowering patients. So I love that lab. Yeah, do you have any other companies you've heard of for other lab testing that you would recommend? I'm always, you know, open to um, adding in other ones. You know, I'm not a practitioner, but I've heard really yeah. good things about, about the metametrics tests, mm-hmm. um, especially their, um, their uh, let's see what it's called. It's called, it's a stool sample. Okay. I think it's called their GI panel, GI mm-hmm. something. Yeah, GI I effects. I know that, but I've, I've uh, GI effects, that's it. Um, I've mm-hmm. heard really, really good things about um, yeah. about their their tests as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I kind of pick and choose depending on the patient. So if I'm wondering about um, parasites, I think BioHealth is great with that. It's kind of the extent of what they can test beyond. I mean, they're great with detecting H. pylori, but looking at gut dysbiosis, I love Doctors Data. They have a really amazing technology that they use for that. So yeah, I kind of just pick and choose for the patient case, but it's it's so important. And and that's the the the, the unfortunate thing is oftentimes patients go to the doctor and they're not you know obviously none of these labs are usually run at a typical you know stick kind of conventional doctor's office or even the the stool testing. Maybe they do an OMP times three, just kind of look and see if there's any parasites in the gut, but that's pretty much it. And oftentimes they're not even um, very accurate tests. So they think everything's fine. They think they're crazy. They just need to go on an antidepressant and nothing's wrong with them. And, you know, it's like, and that's why it's so frustrating. Is and meanwhile, those tests are missing the actual right. root cause. Yeah, exactly. The root cause is missing. So, um, so I, I, I love, you know, I love the work that you're doing. You're really empowering people. And, and this, this book is not just, you know, take this supplement for this autoimmune condition. It's like, it's a complete over, you know, lifestyle overhaul. So. Yeah, I actually, I, I'm quite a firm believer in eat real food first supplement. Yeah. As a last resort. I mean, Absolutely. And, and supplement with a healthcare professional who is walking you through and making sure that you're getting the right supplement with the right cofactors uh, in the right form because that's a really, really complex thing to do. And I think as a society, we've gotten a little bit too supplement happy. You know, I just walk down the supplement aisle at Whole Foods and I go, oh, well, this one's going to regulate my blood sugar and this one's going to increase my metabolism and this one's going to help me sleep. And And we get very much into, you know, reading the label promises and assuming right. that because it, I didn't need a doctor pre- to prescribe it, it must be safe. And you know, quite frankly, a lot of the things that people take routinely are immune stimulators and not making immune conditions any better. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And also just the quality of the products, too, that they might be taking and not the right dosage and the form of it and, you know, like all different kinds of binders and fillers. Oh, and the, it's, and it's the fillers and the, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Well, we kind of just flew through this hour, which is crazy, but I, I have two last questions for you. One of them is um, you're known as a paleo mom, right? You have your paleomom.com. So I have a lot of listeners who are moms, and um, a lot of this that we're talking about is about prevention, you know, preventing something from setting in down the line. So what do you do as a mom for your kids? You know, number one, to maintain balance, obviously, in a technology-laden and autoimmune creating world, you know, what do you do to maintain balance? And then what do you feed your kids? I know it's a, it's a lot of, probably a lot that you could share, but what are some kind of takeaways you could get for listeners with that? Well, so basically my, my kids follow a standard paleo diet. So I follow what's called the autoimmune protocol. 
Um, my kids follow a standard paleo diet. They're both um, extremely sensitive to gluten, which helps tremendously with keeping them gluten-free. Um, yeah. And then my youngest is uh, very, very allergic to, to dairy. And so, you know, even outside of the house, um, if we're doing a special treat, it's always gluten-free. And for my youngest, it's always gluten-free and dairy-free. And, um, and so beyond that... You know, I I try and teach a lot of principles that I learned through yoga in terms of balance, breathing, letting things go, appreciation, um, you know, taking taking moments to reflect, taking moments to appreciate the the details. Um, you know, my kids are four and seven, so I think there's there's a lot. It's really sort of just starting to introduce those concepts. We play outside. We spend a lot of time in the dirt and outside in the sun. Um, and we try and do. I mean, they're they're my daughters, so they're also like complete geeks. So even mm-hmm. our play tends to be very educational play, um, and uh, and then we just try and have fun and you know enjoy each other and cuddle and and play. And I think that those those things are setting them up, you know, for I think I hope you know, really good healthy habits as as they grow up. And one of the best things you can do for them is obviously set a great example. You taking care of yourself, you pressing the no button when you need to, setting boundaries, you know, having balance in your life. I mean, that's probably one of the best things you can do for that. You probably don't even notice, you know, (laughs) while they're young, but just make such a huge, you know, foundation for them when they're older. I hope so. Yeah, (laughs) it does. Yeah, I I mean, I I hope they can see, they see my choices and they, I think, you know, I hope that they, they learn from that. Yeah. Yeah. And then my last question is about, and we're both super passionate about this, and this is nutrients in the diet, so micronutrients, like really a nutrient-rich paleo diet. It's not just about, okay, have, you know, no grains, no dairy, no beans, and then just eat, you know, meat and veggies and fruit. It's like, okay, let's really look at the, the maximizing the amount of nutrition in your diet. So, and look, looking at micronutrients specifically that are tied to autoimmunity, are there any specific ones that you can point out that maybe have some research behind it? What are just some specifics in terms of nutrients and um, autoimmunity? So uh, there actually are quite quite a few nutrients that have a really strong body of evidence linking deficiencies in those nutrients with autoimmune diseases. Vitamin D is one of the, the major culprits. Um, and, of course, so many of us are deficient in vitamin D these days. Um, vitamin A, I think I already mentioned, and zinc, I think I already mentioned, there's really convincing evidence showing that deficiencies in those are tied with autoimmune disease. And actually, that supplementation can actually, in some cases, put just supplementing with just those nutrients can put diseases into remission. Um, mm. And so that, that's one of the reasons why I have such a focus in my book on nutrient deficiencies in autoimmune disease. And I, I have a focus on that before I have a focus on gut health or, um, you know, the, the compounds and grains that can cause a problem or insulin regulation. Um, omega-3 fatty acids, the long-chain omega-3 fatty acids, DHA and EPA, um, there's a number of studies that showing that supplementing with those and supplementing, um, you know, with vitamin E and um, conjugated linoleic acid, which is a, a really heart-healthy fat found in, in grass-fed dairy and grass-fed meat, um, those have all been shown to, to supplement with those to improve autoimmune disease. Um, we know that B vitamins are really, really important for the detoxification system, and so that's been been shown to be helpful, especially B12 deficiency. 
um, to, to correct that has been really helpful in autoimmune disease. Um, and generally, um, you know, almost every micronutrient that we know about and that we measure, um, deficiency has been linked at some point to some autoimmune disease. It's as a, as a common theme, it is the fat-soluble vitamins, um, which are, of course, more deficient in our diet than water-soluble vitamins, uh, especially the ones that we tend to get from quality animal fats because there's so much less animal fats in our diet than there used to be, um, and it's been really supplemented now with plant fats um, like vegetable oils. And then um, the, the minerals that are really the most dominant minerals in the human body, so iron, zinc, copper, magnesium, um, the ones that, that really are just everywhere. Um, we also know that deficiencies in those are really, really tied to autoimmune disease and omega-3 fats and fiber. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, we, I think I could basically say every <laughs> micronutrient. <laughs> wow. And there, there are specific nutrients that are tied to specific autoimmune conditions. I remember you saying that, right? Well, at this point, I mean, what what we really only know, because right now research in autoimmune disease tends to be in one specific autoimmune disease. So one paper will look for a link in, in the case of psoriasis, and another paper will look at the link in the case of rheumatoid arthritis. And right. there's not very much research that's being done that's looking at autoimmune disease as a whole. It's just starting, and it, it's really also in, in sort of its early early years in terms of understanding the commonalities between autoimmune disease. So it's not so much that, um, say, zinc deficiency is particularly tied to lichen planus. It is. I mean, there is a paper that measures that the majority of lichen planus sufferers are deficient in zinc. Um, it's, it's that we know that because we've measured that. Um, Got it pretty much whenever a study sets out to look and see if a micronutrient deficiency is related to a particular autoimmune disease, it shows that it is. Um, What's a little bit more hit and miss is whether or not supplementing with that particular micronutrient helps disease. And that's because I think those studies are too narrow um, and they, they sort of suffer from, you know, what we have to do in science which is to break a problem apart into small manageable pieces. But the human body is so complex and the immune system is so complex that fixing one micronutrient deficiency is often not enough to get the immune system working normally. And there's certain key players, you know, like vitamin D and zinc, where um, they they just seem to be so important that that supplementation with just those can really help. But there's so many other important nutrients that are probably also deficient in the diet. If you're eating a diet that's deficient in zinc, chances are really good it's also deficient in omega-3 fatty acids because the foods that have zinc also have omega-3s. You know, chances are really good it's deficient in glycine. Chances are really good it's deficient in other important minerals, like especially the copper. And so, um, and so understanding that bigger picture is something that's really tricky to design a study to do, um, and you really need to have all these little bits and pieces to form a foundation before you can design these sort of bigger studies to understand the more complex, you know, look at 10 different nutrients. Um, sort of at most, a study will look at two, sometimes three. Um, mm-hmm. But really, there's a few dozen that we know are essential for the immune system. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love that. I love talking about 
food as medicine. It's my favorite topic. So I think even more favorite than, than talking about poop. So I've got my, 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 my fix <laughs> they're, of, they're highly uh, related. Yeah, they are, absolutely. <laughs> oh, Sarah, well, I think it's probably close to your bedtime. So I just want to say thank you so much for gracing us with your time and for your amazing book. Do you have any parting words before I let you go to sleep? <laughs> Uh, no, I am going to go to sleep, and I do recommend that other people do as well. I, I really, I'm so passionate about the importance of sleep. Um, sleep and nutrient density to me are just these really, really, you know, key um, factors in health and and preventing disease and managing chronic disease. And you know, anybody who knows me knows that I I love my organ meat and I love my sleep. Amen, girl. Where can our listeners keep track of what you're doing and what's next for you? Um, I My site is thepaleomom.com, and pretty much everything that I do is linked from that site. So that's where you can get links to um, buy my book off Amazon. That's where you can get links to my social media. I'm on Facebook and Pinterest and Twitter and Instagram. That's where you can get links to listen to my podcast, and that's where you can get links um, once the consulting company launches to the consulting company. Perfect. All right, my dear, have a wonderful rest of your evening, and I'm sure I will see you soon at Paleo FX. Thank you. I'm looking forward to hanging out. Yeah, looking forward to it. Thanks, Sarah. Have a great night. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, you guys, that's our show. What a wonderful show. I loved that. Uh, It was so much fun. So interesting. How amazing is it that your gut flora can affect the way you feel? That's just mind-boggling to me. That's my 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 brain candy, uh, mind-blowing fact for the night. Um, all right, you guys, have a wonderful rest of your night. We will uh, talk to you next week. We'll be talking with Alex Jamison about how to trust your cravings and listening to your body. That will be next week. Have a great rest of your week, you guys. Take care. Bye-bye. North Pole Hotline, Mrs. Claus here. My holiday shopping list is so big, I can't wait for Black Friday. Get to Old Navy's biggest sale of the year starting tomorrow. Old Navy? Beat the crowds for 50% off your entire purchase. 50% off? Plus, this Friday only, Old Navy's famous cozy socks are just a buck in stores. Old Navy's giving $1 for every pair sold up to a million dollars to boys and girls clubs. So I can do good, look good, and get 50% off your entire purchase at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1121 to 1123. Exclusions apply. See store for details. Cozy socks valid 1123 in stores only. Limit 10. North Pole Hotline, Mrs. Claus here. My holiday shopping list is so big, I can't wait for Black Friday. Get to Old Navy's biggest sale of the year starting tomorrow. Old Navy? Beat the crowds for 50% off your entire purchase. 50% off? Plus, this Friday only, Old Navy's famous cozy socks are just a buck in stores. Old Navy's giving $1 for every pair sold up to a million dollars to boys and girls clubs. So I can do good, look good, and get 50% off your entire purchase at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1121 to 1123. Exclusions apply. See store for details. Cozy socks valid 1123 in stores only. Limit 10.